Hello and welcome to another episode of The Discourse, the short-form one-on-one interview show with filmmakers, actors, other industry folks, which is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike D'Angelo. On this episode, I got to sit down with writer, director, producer, jack-of-all-trades, Simon Kimberg, who co-created the Apple TV Plus series Invasion, which airs its finale episode on Friday, December 10th. If you're not really familiar with Simon, he's probably best known for writing and producing most of the X-Men films. He's also had his hands in Star Wars, Sherlock Holmes, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Fantastic Four, and probably a ton more projects that you are familiar with. During our chat, we got into the creation of Invasion and aiming to tell a character-driven alien invasion story. We touch on his time with Lucasfilm and how he wants to see even the X-Men introduced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So lots to get into with that chat. As always, the discourse is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast and Yellowstoners, which I'm also a part of. Also, Be Real, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, and more. It can be heard on iTunes, Anchor, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Follow us on iTunes and you'll get this podcast as well as our other shows regularly. Be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or a rating as we do very much appreciate it. Okay, enjoy the discourse with the multi-talented and very kind Simon Kimberg. All right, Simon, thanks so much for giving me your time today. I appreciate it. Of course. Likewise, thank you for the t-shirt. Oh, <laughs> the sad thing is, is I didn't notice it until about 20 minutes ago. I'm like, I'm awesome. wearing an X-Men t-shirt. Oh my God, that's literally that's <laughs> so much better. That's incredible. It really yeah. is. Very excited to just talk about, cool. e- even if just Invasion and everything else you got going on right now. Invasion itself, this is kind of your baby. How long have you been kicking this idea around? And was it always a series or was it a film at one point? Gosh, it goes back probably about five years. Wow. Um, and initially it started with Audrey Chan, um, who's one of the exec producers of the show and runs my company, uh, called me. I was in um, Canada. It must have been probably making an X-Men movie because that's the only time <laughs> I was It's like I've spent the last, I spent kind of eight years straight in Canada for various X-Men films. She called me and said that the TV rights for H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds um, were expiring and becoming public domain. And would I be interested? And I said, yeah, I love the book. I would be interested. Um, That's where it began. That was the very first germ. And then I started thinking about it and kind of immediately, as much as I love the book and I love the radio play by Orson Welles, I was thinking like the word worlds implies that actually it is a clash between aliens and our entire world, not just America or the UK as UK in the book, America as we've seen in so many movies and shows. Um, And so I got excited about this idea of like kind of doing a mashup between War of the Worlds and Babel, where you could tell a global story, you could tell these intimate, really character-driven, nuanced stories against the backdrop of this massive alien invasion. And the the alien invasion in some ways would just be this kind of magnifying glass um, on their interpersonal dilemmas and conflicts and and crises. Um, And so that's where it began. And I didn't know who the characters were. I didn't know what the continents were. I didn't know anything beyond that. And then I wanted to meet with somebody to co-write the and co-create the show with me. um, Just because one, I was slammed with, I'm sure, X-Men stuff at the time. And also I'd never worked in television uh, and I, I felt like I needed a partner. Uh, and I met with a bunch of different people and David Weil, 
was someone I just, we immediately connected, had like a four hour meeting about this, saw eye to eye, uh, more than anything like tonally about what, what we could achieve. And so David came aboard and that would have been probably, you know, maybe a year after the initial conversation with Audrey. And from there we built um, the show together and it, you know, went through twists and turns and, and found its way to Apple, uh, who were really supportive of what we wanted to do. Um, and, you know, it takes a while to mount something like this. So we've probably been making it for, gosh, two and a half, if you count prep, three years. So yeah, that, that's the kind of the, 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 the genesis of um, how we landed at um, the uh, episode 10 about to air. Yes. And, and a lot of alien invasion movies, at least, you say to yourself, man, there's a lot of plot here, but there's not a lot of character to really grab onto. And this gives you the opportunity to really invest in character. And obviously, Apple has the money to make it look like a blockbuster. So did you feel like you were able to really wrangle the best of both worlds here? Or is there more you really want to pull out? No, that was I mean, the way you phrased it is exactly right. The intention was to combine something really epic with something really intimate, mm. um, to, to really focus on the characters, you know, having not worked in TV, it's such a luxury to have 10 hours of storytelling as opposed to two hours of storytelling. <laughs> I mean, the closest I've come is the X-Men movies. It's when I get to, you know, do multiple X-Men movies, which are basically like a serialized drama. So it's, you know, it's the biggest version of, of, of a TV show, but it's not quite the same thing. So yeah, it was like this chance to tell the micro moves of human life set against the macro moves of an alien invasion. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, Apple, I have to say as much as yes, they were incredibly generous um, at supporting the show financially and giving us the, the tools we needed to create a really cinematic and global show and be able to shoot all over the world. But they were also, I, I think even more, maybe not surprisingly, but um, they were, they were, equally generous in terms of supporting the vision of telling this from an on the ground, intimate character, human perspective. And that's something that I think a lot of places and having made movies, certainly sometimes, you know, places are scared that audiences won't have the patience or the care for the character work. And they really just come for the explosions, the popcorn and, and, you know, the, the spectacle and, Look like I've made plenty of spectacle first movies, um, some great, some not so great, some, you know, terrible. Um, but, uh, but you know, the, the, the movies I'm certainly the proudest of, whether it's Logan or The Martian or um, even Deadpool. Um, of all those. Uh, yeah, well, and, you know, but when you think about those films, they're very, they're very character driven. And they're very emotional. I mean, when I said even Deadpool, I meant like, because I think Deadpool is sort of sneakily very emotional. You know, that first movie is just a a love story about a guy who gets uh, sort of deformed and feels like, you know, he can't go back to the love of his life until he fixes himself. And then the very end realizes there's nothing wrong with him. Um, And I think that's like, you know, if I were to tell you that story, you'd be like, well, that could be, you know, a Sundance indie movie about Mm -hmm. a soldier who, you know, gets his or her face blown off. So I I just, I was trying to take those lessons into the show. Um, And Apple was really great about saying, take your time, like, you know, live with these characters, like steep the audience in the lives of these characters. And with a series like this, 
the question is always how much do you have planned out these days? Hmm. Like, do you have a few seasons mapped out here? If, if it, you know, goes for a second season, a third season or whatever, how, how much do you have mapped out in your head? Yeah. I mean, I, I went into it with a, with a, with a, with a sense of how many seasons um, I thought that the, the story required. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in terms of the map, I would say, you know, like sometimes when you Google online, you're like map of Europe and you can either get the super intricate map of Europe where it's like got all the streets on it, or you just get like the map of Europe that shows you the countries. Um, <laughs> I think the map I have in my head of future seasons um, beyond season two, let's say I have a very specific map of season two, but beyond season two, I have the more of the country style map where it's like, I know the big moves of, of the seasons beyond two. Um, and two, I have, I know the, the streets. And, and I really approached this first season, which is in some ways the hardest to map, right? Because you're introducing so much and you're introducing a new tone more than anything. Um, I, introduced, I, I approached this first season as like, when you talk about those alien invasion movies, I approached it kind of like the first act of those movies, but stretched out over 10 hours. In that like those fir- first acts usually are like, you meet the characters, you see what their dilemmas are, you have a sense of what their arcs are going to be for the rest of the movie. Um, the threat shows up, you know, they quell it a little bit and the, the worst threat shows up. So I was like, okay, well, what if you actually stretch that out so that you could really be in the experience of it with the characters on the ground with the characters, like really a kind of first person perspective um, of what it would be like to live through and suffer through an alien invasion, especially when you've got some serious shit happening in your life, even before the aliens showed up. So I had a really, that was my sort of map for season one. Um, and obviously we plugged in so many things to that, but my map was stretch out the first act um, of an alien invasion movie and see what happens. Yeah. And, and looking at it after seeing it, it's, it's obviously that is what you did. I, I just finished the last episode this morning, actually. And it's got, it's got that ending where you could just be like, okay, that's the end. Or it could really bust open and go from there. So it, it threads the needle very well of however it ends up going. I hope it does go for season two, because I'm really interested yeah. to see where it goes. Yeah, I think, I think the intention is, and the hope is that um, we bust it open in season two. Heck yeah. So you broke into the film world kind of more so as a writer than anything. Mm-hmm. Do you still consider yourself first and foremost a writer at this point in your career? 1,000%. When people ask me what I do for a living, I say I'm a writer. Um, yeah. When I'm at the airport and you have to write down in your, yeah, when you're, you know, occupation, <laughs> I write writer. In fact, I'm in my home office right now. And if you look behind me, there's two paintings and one of them is a hand um, writing and the other one is a bunch of blank pieces of paper. That's my, my, my life and, and like my DNA. And it's where I start everything. And, and, you know, even directing and producing for me is an extension of writing. Um, It's an extension of storytelling. So yeah, I am first and foremost a writer. I will always be that. I think where I am good as a producer is my ability to work with writers and my ability to work with story and character where I'm good as a director, same thing. It's my affinity for um, story and for characters, which all comes from a writer's brain. And I also think just temperamentally I'm a writer, which is, maybe this is true for you too. Like I'm happy in my pajamas at home. (laughs) You know, I don't need to be on a huge movie set to feel like I'm doing my job. I'm actually probably more comfortable um, sitting in silence for eight hours a day, you know, staring at a blank page. Um, Amen. 
And, and I'm sure everybody, you know, always brings up the marvel of it all. But if you'll in, indulge my nerdery, a fewer people know about the Lucasfilm writers room that you were a part of. Yeah. You you wrote a Boba Fett movie and and now that series is coming out. You co-created the excellent Star Wars Rebels characters and you know worked on that show and it seems like all those characters are kind of bursting into live action. What's it like to to see all of that come to life? Well, I didn't I never I never wrote a script to Boba Fett. Um mm. but but those other things, yes. And, you know, one of the most amazing experiences of my life, certainly my creative life, um, was very early on, it was actually before uh, Lucasfilm even sold to Disney. Kathy Kennedy, who's a hero of mine, hired me and Michael Arndt and Larry Kasdan to spend a bunch of time together just brainstorming uh, with George Lucas <laughs> um, uh, on future Star Wars movies. And we spent time up at the Lucasfilm Ranch, Skywalker Ranch. And mostly it was during, the, it was kind of like a writer's room. Yeah. We had whiteboards and me and Larry and um, Michael and um, Kathy's team um, headed by Kerry Hart. We would just work together during the daytime. And at night we would have dinner um, at the ranch, me, Michael and Larry and drink wine. And Larry would tell stories about, the original Star Wars movies he worked on and the Raiders movies. And, you know, it was like heaven. It, it, that was an amazing experience. And, and then getting to work on Star Wars Rebels, that was an amazing experience too, because Dave Filoni is an absolute Star Wars genius. Um, Pablo Hidalgo, if you know about him, is like the Yoda of um, the Star Wars universe. He knows everything about it and has a great imagination. And so the, getting to work with those guys was really cool. I loved um, Clone Wars. And so that came out of Dave's imagination largely. And there was a great, just to give you an anecdote that you will appreciate, there was an amazing moment where Filoni wanted to show uh, the pilot of Rebels or the first episode of Rebels to George. <laughs> and, um, and so we went up to the ranch and we screened the first episode uh, for, for George and I remember like the whole time, I've never been more nervous in a screening of anything. I've been at premieres of movies that I've spent years of my life life on. You know, I've screened, I remember we, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, we screened a cut of it for Brad and Angelina. Um, there was an early cut that was pretty nerve wracking, um, especially because I was like a kid at the time. Um, but screening for like, you know, Star Wars is probably the biggest reason I ended up doing what I do. So screening something literally sitting next to George Lucas that is based on his universe and in his universe was wild. And the lights came up and, uh, uh, and I remember he looked um, and he looked at me and Dave and he's like, it's good. It's pretty good. Which is very, very high praise from what I understand um, from, from George. Um, and, you know, I think it was one of the first times he'd seen, um, cause before the movies had come out, um, I believe uh, it was one of the first times he'd seen a star Wars new show or movie that you know, he didn't create or generate. And, uh, but so anyway, I just, that came up and I just remember this like, this like wave, I almost felt like I was gonna vomit because I was like this wave of relief came over me. And I just was like, I, I, I can now die and go to heaven or wherever, wherever we go on the other side um, happily, you know, cause you've gotten the, um, the, I don't even know what to call them, I guess the gods um, <laughs> approval. So yeah, that, that whole process, Kathy was extraordinary to work with. Um, I got to work with um, 
JJ on um, the first Star Wars movie because uh, Michael, Larry, and I were kind of like a little writer's room for him. And uh, and so I got to be around that um, in its, especially in its infancy and its development. I got to be around some of um, uh, Rogue One um, with Gareth. Uh, so I, I, I got sort of peeks into that world um, as it went and I just got to be a kind of friend of the court. And it was, uh, you know, like I say, if you're a kid and and suddenly your favorite toy comes to life and you get to play with it, mm-hmm. um, it's a that's a fantasy movie and that's the kind of fantasy I was living. Is there a reason why you stopped? Uh, and do you self see yourself kind of returning in the future? I just got busy with other things, mm-hmm. and um, you know their focus also shifted um, away from some of the things that we were working on. So there wasn't any particular reason. And yeah, absolutely. And and also my. My involvement would would sort of wax and wane over the years because sometimes I was so immersed in the X-Men universe that I couldn't really be present in the way that I needed to be present to focus on something as important as the Star Wars universe. Um, and there were other times where I was more available and I was I was a part of it. So yeah, I would love to to do more in the future. I love Dave. I love Favreau. I love Kathy. I love everybody involved. Um, yeah. and, keep, and keep in touch with kind of all of them uh, in one form or another. So uh we'll see and and lastly just one more question since i'm wearing the t-shirt and all now that they're going to be joining the marvel studio or marvel you know cinematic universe i'm sure you've been asked a million different questions but i'm curious if you had your choice how would you want to see them join would you have your versions kind of come through the multiverse or would you do a complete reboot do something different gosh it's hard for me to answer that uh, (laughs) and and not not in the sense of like you know NDAs and I'm going to get sniped through the window right now um, <laughs> because there's that too. But but it, it, it's it's hard because you know when you work with actors for so long, you have such an emotional connection to them. It's not a objective connection to them; it's a subjective connection. I love James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender and Jen Lawrence and Nicholas Holt and Evan Peters and so many other actors I'm forgetting right now. And then obviously the original cast as well. For me, Days of Future Past was like the dream, being able to unite both those casts. I started with the original cast. I then continued with the first class cast. Days of Future Past was, you know, again, a pinch me kind of experience. Um, So it's hard for me to answer that because I love that cast. But having said that, you know, I just... And this is not to dodge the question, it's just the honest answer. I'm constantly surprised in a, in a good way by what Kevin um, and Marvel do with that universe. And I'm constantly amazed by the innovations and the chances they take. Uh, and so I would say, I just trust that whatever they do with the X-Men universe is gonna be surprising and original and innovative and wildly satisfying. And so as a fan of movies, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. So it's hard for me to like talk about in some ways, like my family, you know, it's like, it's like, if you were to ask me about my kids, yeah, you were to say like, you know, you're, 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 you're forming a new basketball team. And like, you know, do you think your kids should make the team? Or do you think maybe there should be some new players in the team? And I'm like, well, I mean, like my kids are my kids, so I want to take care of my kids. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I really, truly mean it. When I, mean, I was looking at the trailer for, I live literally next door to Amy Pascal. Oh, jeez, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I was look watching the trailer. Um, 
the new um, uh, Spider-Man trailer with my 12-year-old son, who's like obsessed with Marvel. If I were to show you his room right now, it's like, it's all Marvel comics, like up floor to ceiling. That's mine too, and, my kid. Yeah, yeah, good. We're, we're doing good jobs as parents. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I was saying to him, like, we need to sneak into, and Amy's a friend, but I was like, we need to sneak into Amy's house and find <laughs> her server somewhere where we can watch this movie because I can't wait another week or two for it. So, uh, so anyway, all of which to say, um, I'm sure it's going to be rad. And um, listen, they already did something really interesting and totally shocking with Evan Peters and WandaVision. Um, mm-hmm. Who the hell knows what they have up their sleeve. All right. Well, I've, I've kept you way beyond the time, but I want to thank you so much for, for talking Invasion and all the other projects. The season finale premieres on Apple TV Plus on December 10th. I will say it's one heck of an ending. So check really it out. Thanks, man. I appreciate it all and appreciate that t-shirt again. (laughs) Thanks. Have a good one.